0: But we're so thankful for your partnership in our ministry, uh, and very grateful for how you enable me to honestly travel all over the world and teach. So I just wanted to share a bit of what I've been doing the the past few months, and then also uh, where I'll be going in the next uh, months ahead, and then we will look at Matthew chapter 9 for just a few minutes afterwards uh, for the sermon When I came on uh, with Training Leaders International last summer, one of my first trips actually in the fall was to Ethiopia. You just saw uh, some of the challenges there in that context. Uh, But before then, I actually traveled to Nepal. So went to uh, Nepal and taught there uh, the final course of a a three-year program that we do in our non-formal training And so we had about 21 pastors who were graduating in Nepal. Uh, They had finished their time with Training Leaders International, and they were going to be going out. Uh, These are already pastors. They're already serving, but they say, please come help us. We don't know how to just open the Scriptures and teach our people. We don't know how to answer their questions from Scripture. They're already serving. They're thrust into leadership. People recognize them as uh, qualified in some way, and yet they know they're not really ready for ministry. And this is the case all over the world. The church is growing, but that growth is outpacing the ability to raise up trained and effective teachers of God's Word. So I went to Nepal, then went to uh, Ethiopia, uh, taught there on the book of Galatians. Uh, I'm just going to run through these really quickly. But uh, after Ethiopia, had a chance to do something very encouraging uh, Teach in Saint Paul, Minnesota, which that's not international, but TLI has identified a real need. I mean, this is not just us seeing it, but actually a partnership that we have with the North American Mission Board uh, that is growing to provide the training that we do overseas for internet for national pastors now for immigrant church leaders here in the states. So this was an int- the the kind of beta test for training that we're going to start doing here in North America in urban centers around the U.S., Canada, maybe even in Western Europe, where we have large immigrant populations, but because of economic reasons, they're bivocational pastors, uh, maybe educational requirements. They can't attend seminary, but they are asking for help. So we're going to begin doing what we did in St. Paul uh, all over the U.S. and Western Europe. Uh, for immigrant pastors, then in February uh, this year, I went to Romania and was able to teach uh, pastors there. Actually, Romania is a unique site because these aren't pastors yet; they're lay leaders. But the the host pastors have asked us to come, help them raise up leaders because the pastors in northern Romania are basically circuit riders. They are pastoring multiple congregations. They don't have enough uh, trained leadership to do the work. And so TLI is trying to come alongside them and supplement their ministries and help them raise up uh, leaders for these churches and congregations. And then two weeks ago, I actually just got back from uh, a two-week trip to Haiti where I was teaching the book of Acts, and uh, talking with pastors there about the early church, talking about mission. And at a wonderful time, we have also had a class on biblical counseling uh, for the pastors there in Haiti. And so all of that is only possible through your uh, support, your faithful giving to our ministry. We're so grateful. Uh, in three weeks, Lord willing, uh, if I can get back to Minneapolis at some point, when the, if the snow stops falling there. Um, Going to head back there maybe tomorrow. But uh, Lord willing, in three weeks, I'll go to Tanzania, and we'll be teaching in northern Tanzania near the Kenyan border, uh, where we partner with a school there and provide training both in Swahili and in English. Uh, so... We'll be training pastors in Tanzania, and then uh, a move that I'm really excited about, uh, TLI is, is a growing organization. Um, we're, just, we're constantly learning of new areas where we can work and honestly have more opportunities than we can handle, but an exciting one is Mongolia. I will be traveling to Mongolia later this year, and we'll actually become the, the site director for that location. And it's exciting for a number of reasons, but if for no other, uh, these Mongolian pastors, about 30 to 40 of them, have, have asked us to come from all over, spread out all over Mongolia, but they're going to come together, uh, and we're going to do the three-year course with them. Uh, they said, you know, we're, we are very nomadic people. We are always on the move. That's just in our DNA. And they said, we want you to come train us to be pastors, but we want, we want to be equipped to go out as well. And we feel called to go to three countries in particular. And they said, we, we want to go to Afghanistan, we want to go to Nepal, and we want to go to North Korea. Or not Nepal, Afghanistan, Tibet, and North Korea. And if you know the state of modern missions, those are three countries that are particularly difficult for us to get into, but... We can go train Mongolians who have a vision to reach those areas with the gospel. So that, that's just an exciting opportunity. So I'd ask you to pray. Um, there is a lot of travel involved, and my family stays home. My wife, uh, kindly, graciously, and sometimes tired, not tirelessly, tired. What, what is the opposite of tirelessly? You get tired doing it. Uh, so it's tiring sometimes to uh, stay at home, but uh, we are we are so glad that God is able to uh, enabled us to be a part of this ministry of training those, teaching those who will then teach others also. This vision that Paul had for Timothy, uh, Timothy, everything I've given you, I want you to pass on to others, not just for the sake of some kind of a curriculum or course load or graduation, but he's like, I want you to pass it on in a way that they're going to pass it on to others. And that's exciting about the multiplication that's happening through um, TLI. The rest of our time this morning, I'd like us to look at a very familiar passage on mission, Matthew chapter 9. Uh, The title for this message is going to be Good Shepherds for the global church. Good shepherds for the global church. Maybe you you caught in that video. Churches need leaders, sheep need shepherds. And the reality is the global church needs good shepherds. So uh, we're gonna look at at this passage and, and it's a very familiar one on the topic of missions. And yet, it's the, it's the familiar passages in Scripture that are sometimes the trickiest ones because we're, we know already what we think about them when we come to them. But let's read Matthew chapter 9. And actually, we'll begin in verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, "...and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom." What I want to do, again, very, very familiar passage. What I want to do today is just something really simple, and that's make some observations of these verses, and then some application. And as we make observation, we're going to see something of the situation that Jesus was in, and then the solution that he proposes. Okay, very simple. Let's look at the situation that we're familiar with. Verse 37, the harvest needs laborers. That's the situation. Jesus says the harvest is bountiful. It's plentiful. But wait, what is the harvest? We we recognize this as a metaphor. Jesus isn't looking out at grain fields in August in Illinois and thinking, hey, we got to get out there and Bring in the crops. He's making a metaphor. The harvest is people. But more specifically, that the harvest is the crowds. You see that? Jesus, verse 36, looks out on the crowds. He's been doing ministry, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. He's giving the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down from the mountain. Matthew then records. A number of his miraculous deeds among the people, verse 35 that we read, was a summary statement of Matthew, of what Jesus was doing in his ministry. He was going around, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease, and then we come to this verse, Jesus' assessment of the situation. He looks at the crowds, he looks at the people, that's the harvest, The harvest is people, and we can be even more specific, the harvest is Israel. Jesus is administering to Jewish people, and He's looking out on these Jewish people and has compassion on them. We have to be careful when we do interpretation that we don't just immediately jump into application, because we can immediately just I could preach a whole sermon about the harvest fields today, but we might need to stop and pause when we recognize Jesus is primarily talking about the people of Israel in this situation. What's the solution, though, that Jesus gives? The solution is that the laborers need to be sent out. Workers need to go out into the field, but that's also part of the situation, there's, there's a bit of supply and demand going on here. There's a big harvest and there's few laborers. So this labor shortage is also part of the situation. But but who are the laborers? Who are to be the ones who work in the harvest fields? Well, most specifically in this context, it's the disciples. If you look at chapter 10, verse 1, we have the solution. The solution is found in the disciples themselves being called and then being sent out. Of course, the solution is also to pray. Very familiar passage, very familiar verse. We're to pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, and Jesus does it. Chapter 10, verse 1, he sends out his disciples, and they are going to preach the same gospel of the kingdom that he's been preaching. And so in some way, Jesus is telling them, pray the Lord to send laborers and then they are an answer to that prayer because he tells them to pray and then he's going to send them to do this, to meet this need. Uh, my family... Uh, Chet mentioned just briefly, our family lived for seven years in in the country of Turkey. And when we were living in eastern Turkey, we were kind of a few hours to the west of uh, Mount Ararat on the Armenian border and then close to Iran. And we lived in a very mountainous area. So just the way that our house was situated or our apartment building, we looked out over this large range of mountains that was mostly dry, mostly thistles, and somehow the, the herdsmen that would always come by our house, somehow the goats and the, and the sheep and the cows found something to eat on those dry hills. But our kids would love to just stand at the window and, and watch the animals go by, usually well off in the distance, but sometimes they would just encroach in on our apartment building. And just to the, at the base of our apartment building, we were three floors up, the base was a parking lot. It was basically just dirt and gravel uh, where a few cars would, would assemble, and the animals sometimes would even come in between the cars, and you're kind of hoping that the goats don't get angry and ram your car. But one day, the kids just really got their interest uh, in this one cow who was totally lost, and it straight in between the cars, rambled up the concrete stairs, and came to the apartment door. And the kids are like, do you see what that cow's doing? And I assume, I mean, the kids loved it, but I'm assuming some of the, the, the apartment owners were maybe not so happy to have this huge beast coming in at, right to their front door. At that moment, what, what is the solution? I mean, you can get angry at a dumb cow, but really the, the, the way to solve this problem is the herdsman. We gotta find the guy who's responsible for this cow. We need, that cow needs a herder, someone to lead him. He's just being a cow, okay? And in some ways, that is a reality that Jesus was addressing here. When, when Jesus turns to the disciples and says, pray, pray, because the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. He's responding to shepherdless sheep. Look down at verse 36. Jesus has mixed metaphors in this passage, and and that's a no-no if you're preaching. People get confused when you mix metaphors, but here Jesus mixes metaphors in a way that's meant to help us understand the need he he sees the crowds verse 36 has compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he says look at the harvest so what gives rise to Jesus concern for the harvest is the need of sheep who have no shepherds so who who are the sheep well, again, they're, they're people. They're not sheep. Jesus isn't talking about sheep. He's talking about people, and he's talking about Israel. Look at chapter 10, verse 6. Jesus sends out his disciples, and he tells them go, but he says very specifically, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So again, same people, same problem. The sheep are Israel, and the sheep are suffering. That's the situation. But not only that, the sheep have no shepherd. So, what's actually the problem here that Jesus is addressing? It's actually the perennial problem of the nation of Israel. We don't have time today to look at all the Old Testament passages that kind of Back, are backloaded into this phrase they were sheep without a shepherd but suffice it to say you can look at that phrase and you'll find it come up in numbers you'll find it come up in first kings you'll find it in ezekiel god's people israel for so long had been a shepherdless people and they were languishing and god was concerned in fact, this comes up. This isn't the only place it comes up in the Gospels. You may remember in Mark, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, before he does the miracle of the feeding, Mark records that Jesus looked on the crowds and had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and so he began to teach them. This was the reason why Jesus came, and this was the emotion he felt when he looked out on the crowds. These people are languishing, they're suffering, they're scattered. These sheep need a shepherd, and that's why I'm here. This was, as I said, an Old Testament problem, and the prophets had a vision for how God was going to solve it. Look, look at Ezekiel chapter 34 with me. There are many places we could see this theme, but Ezekiel 34 is probably the most powerful Turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. This is a a long passage, but I'm going to read it. Because I think it gives you a sense for what's behind these words in Matthew 9. And you just can't understand Matthew 9 if you don't see this passage. Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. And keep keep that feeding the five thousand in mind, too, when you when you read this. Ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost sheep you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. Notice, Jesus said, or the prophet Ezekiel is hearing the word of the Lord. It's not that they don't have shepherds, it's that they have bad shepherds. It's a, it says in verse number uh, 5, you, they have no shepherd. Well, that's just a way of saying they have really bad shepherds, okay? Verse 6, my sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, as I live declares the Lord God, Surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from, the mouth, from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Now, up until this point, this word of the Lord to Ezekiel is somewhat typical of the word of the prophets. <laughs> you have failed. right? But this is what's really striking. We get to verse 11. I think you can hear, even in the, the way the, this word comes, the emotion and the, and the force of which God is speaking. But there is even something more specific to come. Verse 11, thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. I mean, think about that, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus' response to the shepherdless sheep, I, God says, will feed them. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land there they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel we we could go on Ezekiel 34 is a powerful passage that is so important when we come to Matthew chapter 9 This is the perennial problem of Israel and this is the promised solution finally come. God has come to shepherd His people. He's come in the form of His Son, Jesus, to meet this greatest need. The sheep needs shepherds. But, but what's interesting when we consider the Old Testament, Ezekiel 34 says God will be the one to shepherd His people. But that's not the only word that we have. Jeremiah, 30, or Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15, Jeremiah 23 verse 4. We also have a prophetic vision that it won't be just a singular shepherd, but God promises that there will be new shepherds of his people. Shepherds after my own heart is what Jeremiah says. Jesus wasn't just coming to be the shepherd of his sheep but with the coming of Jesus and the new covenant, He's going to provide new shepherds for His people—shepherds who will shepherd the sheep after God's own heart, with that same compassion that He has for them. So, what's that's the situation of verse 36? What's the solution? Well, it's the same solution we just read: pray, the Lord of the Harvest. That solution is really a response to this great situation. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers. Pray, in other words, if we can mix our metaphors, pray for more shepherds. The fields need laborers. The sheep need shepherds. These two are one. This is the solution Jesus pushes us to. So only now, once we've made some of these observations, can we be confident to make some application into our own day. When we think about Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, 37, 38, when we often think about the fields are ripe for harvest. We need to go because they're waiting for us to come. There are many people who need to hear the gospel who've never heard. We, we even think about it in terms of the, the agrarian metaphor more often than not. We think about fields. We call them mission fields, right? We think about ground that needs to be tilled, seeds that need to be sown. And that's true. Most certainly that's true. In many parts of the world today, there is great need. People over 2 billion who have not yet heard the gospel. But I don't think that's the primary application we should take from this passage. I think instead the primary application is to recognize that in some cases God's people around the world are suffering without good leaders. And this was the impetus behind Jesus' call to pray for more workers. In many places around the world, the church is growing. Sheep are there, but they need good shepherds. They're harassed, they're helpless, they're being led astray by false teachers, the wolves are coming in, and the need is for more laborers More shepherds, more shepherds after God's own heart, more shepherds like Jesus. And I I submit to you, this this is the perennial problem of the church, just as it was for Israel. The church needs good shepherds, it needs good leaders. As you saw in the video, Ethiopia and much of Africa is... Being swept away by false teaching, by the prosperity gospel. And we have to respond. We must pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers because the sheep are being led astray. As we were coming to the close of our time in Ethiopia, we had finished a week of teaching on Galatians on what is the gospel. And Uh, Our host pastor stood up and and said, uh, gave an address to all, about 40 students that we had there, and he said, do you recognize what's happening every week in our churches? He told a story about one evangelist who stood up to preach just a few weeks earlier, had raised his Bible at the beginning and said, do you want... To hear an old message from an old book? Or do you want to hear a new word from the Lord? And he threw the Bible out the window. And that's happening. Not necessarily throwing out the window. But metaphorically, that's happening all over Africa. People are just ditching. The gospel, because they want to hear something new. They want to hear something that's pleasing. They want to hear about prosperity and what God has supposedly promised them. And so our our host was pleading with his students and really telling us this is why we need this teaching. We need to know the gospel that we preach to people, we need to know the Bible that we're saying. What we're saying is God's Word and not our own. And so wolves, wolves are harassing the sheep. But then in Romania, it's not just that false teachers are in the church, but it's, it's just a reality that there aren't enough shepherds. There's a great need all over the world because churches are growing, but they don't have trained leaders They don't have pastors who have any confidence whatsoever to preach, much much less counsel people in their office and take God's Word and answer simple questions. And so pastors all over the world, in Togo, in South Africa, in Japan, in Vietnam, are asking us, please come help us. One of the frustrating things about our ministry is, I was at this conference called T4G last week, and we get requests at those conferences that we can't meet. We don't have enough resources to get to those places, and people, are sent, people from Moldova, Iceland, India coming to us and saying, please come train us. We need help. We're pastoring, we're serving. The global church needs good shepherds. That's the situation of our world today. And so our response, I think, should be the response of Christ. To be moved with compassion. To be moved with compassion and to pray. Pray that God will raise up laborers for the harvest, shepherds for his sheep. So I ask you, I ask you to pray. Um, You can feel free to grab uh, our information. You can join our prayer list. But you can also just pray as you learn more about the need globally. Ask Jesus to send out these shepherds for his people. But I think the application can be even more broad than that. We can and we should have compassion like the Savior. We, we need to pray for shepherds. But we remember Jesus asked them to pray, and then he turned around and sent them out. They were in many ways. The, the uh, disciples were the answer to the prayer that Jesus told them to pray. So how can you be an answer to this very prayer. This might seem strange, but it's not easy for pastors and elders to encourage the sheep to follow the shepherds. They teach you, they, they preach the Word, but Hebrews chapter 13 says, submit to those who lead you, because they will give an account For your souls they may not tell you that often because it's hard to give that word but brothers and sisters maybe it's a little easier because I don't know you brothers and sisters the word of God says submit to and follow your shepherds they've been given to you by God to lead you and to love you God willing they're doing that in a good way and insofar as they are, follow your shepherds. But pastors, elders, this word is for us as well. We who would dare teach God's word. First Peter, chapter five. If you're a pastor elder, I'm sure you know this passage. Peter exhorts the elders as a fellow shepherd. Peter, the one who Jesus had to come and say, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Pastors, elders, The call is to be a good shepherd. Peter had to hear that call, and Peter makes that call to us. Shepherd the body well. Lead them with love. But train shepherds. You can be an answer to this prayer by training up others. Encouraging others who are seeking and desiring to be pastors and then send shepherds. Of course, this is an easy application to make to the sermon because you're already in many ways doing it. Sending me, sending others who are taking the gospel and leading Christ's church. If you're here this morning and you don't even know if you're a sheep, this message hasn't really been for you. The concern of everyone in this room who is a Christian is for the world. It's for the need of the world. Why? Because all of us, at one point or another, were lost sheep. All going after our own way. But the Lord has put all of our waywardness and all of our sinfulness and all of our straying and he's put that on his son, Jesus. Jesus who came to be the great shepherd. Jesus who came to meet this greatest need for good leaders, good teachers. This shepherd, Jesus, laid down his life for the sheep. He took the sin that we deserved. He died the death that we should have died, and he was risen again and will come again as the chief shepherd. Come to him today. If you feel like your life is a life of wandering after, aimlessly wandering after the latest and the greatest And it's always emptiness. You can follow a loving, leading shepherd who will provide all your needs and take you into his heavenly home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our shepherd. And we pray to you that you would send even more shepherds. Send them into the harvest fields. Father, your church is harassed and helpless all over the world. It's in such great need, even in, even in America. Oh God, would you be pleased to grant your church godly, compassionate, faithful shepherds. I pray that for this church. And I pray that you would enable Redeemer to not just have good elders, but also to send out and equip good shepherds, and even, God, that they would be enabled to follow as good sheep. We pray this for the name of Christ. Amen.